Empty Cup on Open Lines Radio is brought to you by Synergy Creative Systems. Synergy Creative Systems uses multiple social media and online platforms that operate independently as freestanding entities to post killer content that discreetly work in conjunction with each other to build robust and enduring images and brands through promotion by proxy. Hey, my friends. It's Eric again um, with another episode of Empty Cup. This is the second episode, the July episode. Um, I had been planning on releasing one a little sooner than I am releasing this one. I actually recorded one earlier this month, but, you know, I didn't really like it. I find that sometimes I try to push myself to make stuff um, on a timeline or especially stuff that I want to share Um, sometimes I just don't have whatever in me to make something that I feel really good about, and I don't like... There's so much noise and everything digitally, and there's so much of this kind of, like, mindset I see that you have to keep posting stuff to stay relevant, or, like, the everything is content type of stuff... And that's really the opposite of what I like to do with my work, is I really like to do work for the joy of doing it and then share for the joy of sharing, not just share to have something to say. Um, I'm definitely a man who likes to say stuff when I have stuff to say, and when I don't, um, I I try to keep my mouth shut. So that's kind of where we're at. Um, And I mean, yeah, right into the episode with that, that was one of the things that I was going to talk about is kind of the creative um atmosphere right now um you know it's been a stressful piece of time (laughs) i don't even want to say like month it's like for me the whole last like six months has been stressful but fuck even with covid and everything the past years have been stressful but um one thing i was seeing a few weeks ago was a lot of posts sharing like that you really need to be journaling right now and making artwork right now because we're living in this period of history and you know you need to record this so that um people know what's going on um but if someone hasn't told you already yet is it's also valid to just not want to do that right now like I don't like, I like journaling, but I don't like it being pushed as like a cure-all, like that is the best way to deal with your feelings. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes you really just need to chill. You don't need to learn something from everything that happens. Sometimes something shitty can happen and it can just be shitty and you don't have to learn anything from it besides, wow, that sucked. So if no one's told you yet, um, here's me telling you, give yourself a fucking break. Uh, and do stuff that makes you happy, don't worry about your obligation to better yourself at every waking moment. Like, just just chill. Just chill. Anyway, I uh, meant to introduce the episode before just diving right into my thoughts and feelings. 
I'm drinking a new tea that I got today from a little, um, locally owned little vintage shop downtown. The tea is not vintage. The tea is fresh. Uh, but it, it's some shit with, like, uh, I don't fucking know, nettles and elderberries and I don't know, it's some shit about... Let me read the packaging. It's got a fox on the front, like a watercolor of a fox. Uh, it's called The Protector, and it says... The Protector has t returned to her ancestral home, a place that has called to her in dreams. It is a land hollowed in the absence of her howl. Here she will raise her pups to be curious and cautious, and one day their pack will restore health to this land. And it has stinging nettles and black tea and elderberries and other random bullshit in it. Uh, and it's bright and spicy and earthy. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sponsored. I'm not, I'm not even going to tell you what the tea, the tea brand is. I haven't even tried the tea yet. I, I just have it steeping in a little teapot next to me. Um, but I'm, I'm going to drink that while I talk to you guys. Uh, I also have this big silk screen that I'm waiting for the screen filler to dry a little more so I can start washing it out. Um, and I'll, t I'll talk a little bit about the silk screen and what I'm making uh, during this episode, too. So, you know, grab a cup of tea. Um, just relax. I don't think we're doing enough of that. I don't think we're doing enough relaxing. The tea's good. Tea's good. Has that, um, that kind of earthy, nettle taste. So one of the things, like, I've been working on creatively recently is, um, well, let me back up, let me back up. I changed my schedule at work. My, uh, day job is actually now a afternoon-to-night job. Um, I'm eventually gonna go to, like, a full-on swing shift, so I'm working till, like, 3 in the morning. But for right now, I work from, like, noon to 10 p.m.-ish. And it's been fantastic. I am an, a night owl through and through. So um, being able to just, like, wake up at 10 a.m., kind of have breakfast, get ready to go to work, and then stay up till, like, 2 in the morning working on stuff is incredible. I've gotten more sleep in the last week on this weird schedule. I've gotten so much stuff done um, that I want to do. I've been working on writing um, another novel that's really been, it's been cathartic, but it's also been a very for me thing. In the last year, I feel like I keep getting pulled into kind of like creative nonfiction projects and other things that kind of confront me with reality more. And it's really nice to be spending some time um, working on just a completely fictional world where I can kind of like escape a little bit from, you know, all the bullshit of real life. I think sometimes the importance of that is overlooked or forgotten because there's all this push to, like, have something to say about all the terrible things happening. But sometimes treating art and writing as forms of escape and finding self-care in that and discussing issues by proxy instead of head-on is really fucking valuable. Um, at least for me it is, like, I, that's kind of traditionally how I've done things, and it's only really been recently that I've done them differently than that. Um, it's been, it's been nice. But what I'm working on tonight with, um, my giant silk screen and everything is a self-portrait that I'd been wanting to do for a while. 
So I've done screen printing... Oh, oh a while. <laughs> Everything's a while. Time... Time is an illusion, and we don't necessarily perceive it the way it's happening. Only causality is fact. But, um... My uh, first art forms that I really got into when I was a teenager and stuff was I really liked stenciling and printmaking. I did a lot of stencils with spray paint as a teen and then kind of moved on to like lino cuts and later like more stenciling and then screen printing. And one thing I always loved doing with that is you make, you know, one design and stuff and then doing iterations of the artwork and doing mixed media with it and, you know, cutting it up and repurposing it. And I like to do that kind of with my writing, too, is that, you know, I create something and then I'm picking it apart and kind of revamping it and redoing it. So, oh gosh, about four, four years ago and change, I was doing a lot of stencils, um... Four to, four to five years ago. It started like five years ago and then kind of went on for a year. I was doing a lot of stenciled artwork of people's pets, dogs especially. I had a friend at the time who um, trained dogs and I did a lot of work for her office space and then sometimes took commissions of these really nice stencils, kind of like pop art of people's pets. And it, Pets aren't my favorite thing to draw or paint or stencil. But I liked it well enough, and, like, it made people happy. And I do like that, and I was kind of able to supplement uh, my income at the time. So it, it worked out good. Like, it's not something I look, I'm looking at going back into doing, but it was fine at the time. But while I was doing all these um, and hand-cutting the stencils and kind of... Uh, oh, gosh, I was doing it really low-budget. Um, I would get plastic dividers for binders, like the kind of thick plastic ones, and carve the stencil with an X-Acto knife on those, and then, like, sponge acrylic on. <laughs> That's how I was doing my prints. So my... I, I've tried screen printing for the first time around that time, and I used a canvas... Like, I found a canvas stretched, like, by a dumpster or something, and took the canvas part off and then stretched some old pantyhose over the frame and cut out a stencil on, like, fucking contact paper or something for, like, you use in your, um, drawers in your kitchen. And that was my first, um, experience screen, screen printing. And then it was, like, with acrylic paint and an automotive squeegee. So, you know, very low-tech. Um, but some of my family members knew that I was getting into screen printing, and they gave me these two really beautiful silk screens that um, I, I guess we had some obscure relative in the 70s that had a screen printing shop that did mostly like political signs and little league posters and stuff, you know. But these um, screens are on like a frame with a hinge and everything. Like they're the, they're the nice ones. Um, they're like, God, two and a half by three and a half feet for the screen itself, plus change for the, you know, other bits of wood and stuff. So they gave me two of these frames and then a pile of books about screen printing, about how to make these frames specifically, about, like, restretching the screen on them, all that stuff. And then there was kind of this caveat that, like, oh, you can't ever get rid of this, like, it needs to come back to the family if you're gonna get rid of it ever. Um, and then 
So I never used the screens because at the time I lived in a townhouse and I had a garage and I had a hose and stuff so that I would be able to wash these screens out afterwards. But then I um, kind of got out of the living situation I was in. Um, and now, you know, I've lived in like apartments and stuff where I just haven't, like they won't fit in my bathtub like my smaller silk screens will. So I kind of knew like anything that I draw on this screen, like I'm going to have to hand wash the drawing fluid out and then it's going to be stuck on there for a while. Like until I go to a friend's house who has a big fucking sink or, um, you know, go like to the commercial, you know, wash your own car place. So I was just kind of intimidated with doing that. And then, um, that family, well, all my family really, I'm not in touch with anymore because they're all, um, very transphobic. <laughs> So, you know, I was given these screens when I was living a lifestyle they approved of, and now I'm not. So anyway, with all that in mind, I decided the best thing I could do with one of these big fucking screens was do a big fucking nude self-portrait um, on one of them, and then know that that would be stuck on this screen, that I would have to do it in iterations, that I would have to, like, keep reprinting and reworking with this and making new versions of it it just seemed like a very fitting like huh I, I don't know maybe that's a little petty but I finally decided to do that tonight because I was um just not having a really good good go of it you know and I ended up I ended up doing it I'm really happy with how it looks so far I haven't washed it out or test printed it yet but just the design itself looks nice and um I wrote some text on the top of it that just kind of popped into my head. Um, was God's grant me the strength of dandelions and I will bloom where unwanted. Originally, so of the two frames, one of them still had a stencil on it that had been left on there since <laughs> the 70s, presumably. Like, it had been on there a long-ass time and I was trying to peel it off and trying to peel it off and trying to peel it off because um, I had thought that it would be really cool to print a self-portrait and stuff with the clutter and garbage kind of so, like that, you know, I'm existing in the space left behind of the trauma and everything else that's happened to me. But then, like, after I spent all this time trying to fucking pick enough off that I could use it, I realized that the other one was perfectly blank, so I don't know. There's probably a lesson in there somewhere, too. But, let's see. I'm gonna get... Yeah, I'm gonna get a washcloth so I can start um, washing the screen out. So just bear with me one second. Sorry, but I don't really like to edit these a whole bunch um, because if I if I start like taking out the little awkward pauses, then I start getting self conscious about the rest of everything I said too. Um, oh Jesus! I have an an old sponge uh, and a and a bowl and a little bit of water, so I'm just trying to rehydrate the sponge a little bit. 
Uh, and this in of itself is kind of a, um, this feels kind of meditative in a way. Like I'm literally like washing this uh, effigy of myself. Like what better like sort of love and self-care is there than to wash yourself and like to fully clean yourself. I think there's a reason why a lot of self-care is kind of stereotyped as like, oh, you know, take a, take a nice bath. Uh, use some nice lotion, like cleaning your physical body or your physical form is just, it, it's such an act of love. So this, this feels like an act of self-love just to be washing my own self, my own self to make this artwork, which is what I wanted out of this big screen. I wanted to, um, I wanted to do something that was more meaningful than just the artwork itself. Because that's something, you know, when I look at social media and I look at this idea of being relevant or staying relevant, I just don't make things fast enough that I feel like are worth sharing. Because I don't like making things to have made something, you know? I, I like to have a purpose for what I'm doing. And I feel like it's very special to be able to share that with other people. But like I was talking with uh, kind of like a very talented friend of mine about this recently too, that, um, you know, when you're sharing your artwork and stuff, you're not just sharing the work that you made, you're also sharing, like, that part of yourself that's excited about that or that cares about that enough to have made it. And that's something I think about a lot, especially since a lot of my work kind of has taken more vulnerable outlook. And with artwork especially, like, I feel like it's more vulnerable because I prefer words, I prefer writing... So I'm only doing artwork when it's really something that I don't know how to express with words. And it used to be that sometimes that was stuff like love, like I didn't know how to express love and stuff with written or spoken word, and so it would have to be artwork. But now I know how to say things about love, so the only things I don't have words to express are just this deep grief and rage and this this feeling of, you know, just trying to exist. Just, yeah, just trying to exist. I don't know. I mean, I, I, like I said, I don't have words for it. How do you describe a feeling that you specifically don't have words for? I gotta change my water out. It's already, um, it's already very blue. Speaking of blue, um, I did want to follow up on, I believe last episode, if my memory isn't deceiving me, I talked about how I had made a sketchbook that was completely done in cyanotype fluid that I was slowly developing on walks and stuff, and that I wanted to, you know, take it for granted. Um, 
And if I didn't talk about that, or if you didn't hear the last episode, I'll give you like a quick refresher. Cyanotypes are another type of printmaking that's basically done with the sun. You mix a two-part fluid, or you get a premixed, and you have it on paper, fabric, and then you cast shadows uh, on the paper and expose it to sunlight, and it develops it, and then you wash the pages or whatever off. And what's left behind is like a blue image with a white impression of whatever shadow was left behind. So I had filled an entire sketchbook. I'd prepared every page. And it was a big sketchbook. It was like 70 pages or something obscene. And I had filled it with prepared um, cyanotype pages and taken it on my walks and done a whole bunch of them and like binder clipped them shut so I couldn't develop them until all of them were done. I filled it, and I developed it, and um, <laughs> it didn't turn out. It um, Some of the pages looked really good, but the amount of time I had to spend um, washing the entire book out, since it was so thick, meant that even a lot of the pages that looked really nice got overdeveloped in the tub, and it just washed them out entirely. It's not unsalvageable. I'll still use the notebook for art later, but a lot of the pages kind of fused together too while they were wet um, after I'd washed them out. But I actually thought it was a great success because I know that the concept would work. I've done cyanotype pages in journals before. I just usually only do a couple pages at a time. And that's what I'll have to do next time is just do fewer pages. But in a way, it kind of did do what I wanted it to do in um, forcing me to do something, you know, so many times that I was taking it for granted and kind of focus on all these ideas I had and following all these whims, like with no idea if it would turn out. And of course it was disappointing when it didn't turn out because, you know, you want a cool thing that you can show everyone and be like, oh, look, I made a whole notebook of cyanotypes. I did this really cool thing. But in a way, it was kind of um, a good um, dose of humility, too, in reminding myself to be mindful of my motives when I'm creating. Am I creating to have created something that I can show other people? Or am I creating, you know, for myself or for, like, other reasons? Which isn't to say that I think it's um, impure or less to create specifically for other people like I think there's something very beautiful about specifically making stuff because you want to make other people laugh or you want to make other people feel a certain way or you know whatever but at the same time that's not where I'm happiest and I think that's um worth thinking about if you're someone who makes things is like why not why do you create but what part of creating is it that you find fulfilling? I gotta get more water again. I, it's gonna be like this. It's it's just gonna be like this. Oh, um, the other thing is, last episode I did make focaccia bread.
No, focaccia. Focaccia. We went over this last time. Focaccia. I made, I made focaccia bread. I sound like an asshole when I say it that way. I made focaccia bread last episode, and I wasn't... I forgot to put the salt in, and then, like, ran across, and I was like, oh, fuck, it was supposed to have salt. Why didn't you guys tell me? For the record, it still turned out perfectly. Like, um, so, you know, don't... Don't let fear of failure stop you from things. Don't, don't. Or do. I mean, I'm not your dad. Wait, no. I should not be encouraging. Okay. Don't let fear of failure stop you from things. Just don't do that. Say that with confidence. I am your dad. Oh, God. Okay, I'm going to scoot the microphone forward so I can be close to it while I wash the other half of the stencil. I'm really excited to test print this. It's always super, super rewarding. I'm thinking... Like I said, I used to do printmaking and it used to really be iterative. And then, kind of more recently, I've gotten in a bad habit that when I make a silk screen, since I, I have a couple small screens that I can wash out in my tub, I had two, I recently got a third one. Um, I like to do like t-shirt designs and stuff. But since I haven't had very many screens and stuff, and more ideas than that, and I'm kind of impatient, I've been like using the screens once or twice and then washing them out. So like one of my favorite designs I did, I printed like a handful of things with it, one shirt, and then washed it out so that I can't ever, uh, I mean, I could kind of like try to recreate it, but it, it kind of makes me happy that I can't wash this one right out. So I have to experiment with it a bit. Because one of the things I really want to do is print it on fabric and embroider some, like, dandelions and stuff around the blank spaces. But I'm really excited with this idea of kind of being forced to sit with one of my ideas for a while so that it can fully develop instead of being allowed to just push it aside and move on to something else. Sometimes I do not recognize enough what I've accomplished and I just kind of move on to the next thing. And I think that behavior is really rewarded, um, you know, kind of with social media and stuff right now is kind of, there is that pressure to kind of keep moving on, keep making new things. And I encourage people reshare your old artwork. Just go back, find things you, you did that you think people need to see again and share it again. But I, I don't know. When I think about creating, and obviously I still do a lot of creating, it's just kind of how I go about it is constantly changing to suit my needs. I don't think there will ever be a point in my life where I'm not making things. But I, you know, I think about like, there's this poem that really stuck with me that I read it for the first time when I was, I think in college, we read it. 
And it's not by, like, I don't think it's a really well-known poet. I haven't really heard of anything else she's done. Uh, it was hard for me to find the poem when I was trying to look it up the other night. I found her website and stuff, and it looks like, you know, she does poetry. She still writes poetry, and she has some a few poetry books out and does some, like, editing and stuff. So, you know, she looks like she's doing all right, but she's not, like, super super famous or anything but this one poem that i read years ago by someone that i don't know even who isn't super famous or anything has stuck with me for like 10 years and i think about that like with my own work is i don't want to make stuff that you know is just kind of one and done like you put it out there people scroll by people see it it's a blip on the radar and a bunch of other digital noise i want to make the type of stuff that resonates with people that 10 years later they're trying to find hey what did that fuck what did that what did that guy say about that thing like you know and sitting in your armchair frantically trying to google like uh you know seattle in seattle wishing i was in seattle and then you can't fucking find it like that's that's inspiring like the fact that that can happen is inspiring but sometimes i think about like how much we are exposed to thing after thing after thing after thing and i mean that it makes me want to be more mindful about the stuff that i'm putting forward even though you know it's not that it's not that there has to be value in everything i just don't want to spend so much of my time and energy on um you know, quick and easy things and not have the energy left for the bigger things that I want to do. Am I pretentious? One of my friends called me pretentious once. It's like in an argument. Anyway, I'm going to read you the poem because that would be pretty rude of me to talk about this poem that I've liked for the last decade and then not share it with you guys. Hang on, I did um, save it the other day. Okay. The poem is called More of the Same by Carrie Wason. But even with my mouth on your thigh, I want my mouth on your thigh. At the center bite of bread, I want the whole loaf, toasted and an orange. On a sunny day, I want more sun, more skin for the weather. I'm in Seattle wishing for Seattle, for this walk along the water, for her hand while I hold it. I want to tie my wrist to a red balloon. I'm counting my tips. I'm counting the tips I could have made. I want the television on, the television off. In the ocean, I want to float an inch above it. And when my father finally held me, like a stripe of seaweed over his wet arm, I was kicking to get away, wishing he'd hold me, like he held me while I was kicking to get away. Listen to me. I want to leave when I'm walking out the door. Years. Ten years. That has stuck with me for ten years. I think about that from time to time. Because it, God, it so succinctly captured that fucking feeling. And I feel that way a lot. Like, like I just, like, I want something so bad, and it's like, I, I want something so bad when I already have it, and you just, like, you have it, and you want it so bad, it's, um, that you, it's like you can't even enjoy it. Like, your brain doesn't even know what to do. I don't know. Oh. I just, I feel like that a lot. Like, it, it's, um, 
it's a helpless feeling right now. There's a lot of things in the world right now that kind of make you feel helpless, I think. There's, yeah, there's just, there's so much, so much. I don't have an answer for it. I mean, obviously I don't. I, um, I try to cope with it by just living a meaningful life. Like, I try to act in good faith and stuff for my future, but I try to just live a meaningful life in the meantime. That's, um, that's all I can think to do to combat it. People tell me that I'm brave a lot. Like, people tell me that a lot. Um, just because I'm trans and I'm kind of visib visibly trans and like publicly about it. But I can't help but think, like, I don't feel brave. I feel like a coward. And I wonder a lot, like, would I fight if I didn't have to? And that's something that I'll never know. Like, I'll never know what would I be like if I wasn't how I am. And it's kind of a moot point. Like, I'd like to think that I'd still be the type of person that would fight for what I thought was right, even if it didn't directly affect me. But it's it's kind of funny because, you know, people say that, and it's like, I'm... I don't think so. I don't, I don't know. I haven't seen any evidence. I don't know where the prompt jar is. Abrupt transition. I got, I got a little, um... Oof, too close to my feelings. Oof. Where... Where did I leave the prompt jar, guys? Hang on, I got I gotta look for the gotta look for the fucking jar. Oh no, while I look for the jar, like there's this uncomfortable silence and you're left with your feelings. When the <laughs> When I walk away, your thoughts are the only narration in your mind. And you have to think, what makes you who you are? Would you be a good person if you were a different person? I don't know where the prompts are. I found the prompts. They were, um... I'm not going to tell you where. Okay, they were under the kitchen table. No, that's not where they go, but ASMR. Um, as, as I've introduced in the past, and as I used to do on Laundry Day on uh, my podcast that's um, sadly neglected, I pull from a jar of prompts. I read them to you guys. You can make artwork. You can write. Uh, you can share it with me if you want. Uh, my email is oblivionspin at gmail.com. Um, most places, I am Oblivion Spin. Oh, that's a stupid one. We're not. That's stupid, and I hate it. Oh god. Uh, and these are prompts that I accomplished in high school. Accomplished. Um, I did. I got the prompts that I um accumulated. Accumulated. That's it. So they're all. This is um. This is a mess. If you could ask God three questions about anything, what would they be? Substitute God's plural, the universe, 
the creator, whatever you believe in, uh, or your father. Or a dead person. Or a living person. can be, um... I was gonna say Willy Wonka. Uh, you ask Willy Wonka three questions about anything. Oh, God. I don't... I don't feel like I would want to know the answer. I used to do a lot of divination when I was younger and meditation and stuff. Um, and I still work with runes from time to time, but I used to do like a lot more in-depth divination. And at some point it's like, you know, I don't feel like I want to know. Like sometimes I just don't want to know things and I'd rather find out when I gotta find out. So I, I don't, I don't feel like I would ask any questions. Maybe like, um, maybe like a restaurant recommendation, like, what's a local hidden pizza joint that I haven't been to yet that's good? Like, I, I don't know, maybe I'd ask for something like that. Or, or maybe like some stats on myself. Like, how many times have I... God, I don't, I don't know if I want any of my life quantified. I think I know enough. <laughs> I, th I think I know enough is, is my feelings on this question. But if you guys have questions, um, I'd love to hear about them. <laughs> oh, goodness. I, um... I like this tea, but it does just taste like when you're a kid and you pick a bunch of random bullshit and <laughs> make make a potion out of it, which is part of why I like it. Um, but it is a, a little different, a little different than I usually get. I haven't been super good about keeping up on my list of trying new things recently. I've still been trying new things, but... um. I haven't been quite as good about writing them down. So I kind of got to go through that in the near future. I just haven't been feeling up to it. Um, you know, it's... Uh, but I, I think it's important with most things to kind of give yourself grace or space or patience or whatever you want to call it. There's... This, this push to just do so much and sometimes the best thing you can do is nothing just nothing just vibe and let yourself exist for a while and apparently wash yourself <laughs> the title of this episode will be reasons you should take a bath you smell bad <laughs> I think a lot about, um, I, I, God, I feel like we always, we always talk about, like, your authentic self, like, this is only the second episode, and it's like, I feel like we're like, ah, your authentic self, ah. But I don't know. 
I feel like it's it's always good to remember to question like what do you actually have to do and what are you doing because you think you have to do it. Like I have decided that I'm going to put my bed in the front room um, and make my bedroom into a hangout spot. I decided this last week and I bent my fucking toenail backwards trying to move my desk by myself in the middle of the night and then I had to call the nurse advice line and... Um, she thought that I was very charming and funny because I, I prefaced the call as like, just FYI, I work a swing shift. Like I'm not moving furniture in the middle of the night for no reason. This is just after work for me. Like this is normal, but it hurt. And I had to tape my toes together and I was like walking with a little limp and it was humiliating because not because I was limping, but because it's like a fucking demoralizing toe injury. Like who, who does that? But it's it's like so many little things that you're like, oh, i got to do that. And some things are a good idea. Like, you know, it, it's probably a good idea to have someone help you move furniture. It's probably a good idea to not do things after 2 a.m., even if you're supposed to be awake at 2 a.m. That's a terrible time to do things. But with everything else, it's like, who cares where your bed in your house is? Who cares where you keep the frying pans? Who cares, like, if you're a morning person or a night person? Like, I don't know. The more you can figure out who you are and then lean into it, the better you'll feel. Most of the time. It's not without, um... being a pain in the ass. That's... that's for sure. Well, I got my screen washed. Um... My cup isn't empty, but I, I refilled it, and I have an entire pot of tea that I'm probably not going to finish in the one sitting. But I will keep drinking it and uh, think fondly of you all. So I'm going to go ahead and wind up this episode, because I think I've said uh, everything intelligent that I have to say, and I'm just turning into that sleepy rambling you do. Not sleepy, but it, it just happens at night. So everyone, take care of yourselves. Be kind to yourselves. Uh, write down questions for God, Willy Wonka, or anyone else. And I will talk to you guys sometime next month. Um, until then, bye.